1986, a hull of a fishing boat was recovered from the mud on the shore of the beautiful Sea of Galilee. Only two years later, I had the good fortune to be on a Holy Land study tour with a group of Virginia Theological Seminarians. And I actually saw the boat. I know some of you had if you toured the Holy Land. It's about 27 feet long. It's seven or eight feet wide. A whole dozen up to maybe 15 people. Carbon-14 technology dates the boat between 100 B.C. and 40 A.D. In other words, it would in all likelihood be the exact same kind of boat that Jesus and his disciples were in the night that this terrible storm hit the Sea of Galilee. And I've learned that the Sea of Galilee is infamous for these uh, terrible storms. The uh, sea is like 700 feet below sea level and these mountains surrounding her get up to 9,000 feet above sea level. And when the, when the conditions are such that the cold air, cool air mix in with the warm air of the sea that can, what can result is these fierce, terrible storms. Do you, do you watch storm stories on the Weather Channel? Well, I don't know about you, but I'm intrigued with those things. I find them fascinating. But also, when they're on, especially when they're on the ocean or the sea, but also frightening. And I can just picture uh, being in this boat that I saw in Israel, uh, being knocked around and tossed about by the watery mountains of green waves and singing out with Don McLean, this could be the day that I die. Mark gives us a vivid description. A great storm of wind arose and the waves beat into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But Jesus was in the stern asleep. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care if we perish? And Jesus woke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you no faith? And they were filled with awe and said to one another, Who is this then that even the wind and the sea obey? This is one of the really great questions that we find in the Bible. Who is this that even the wind and the sea obey? Could there be any doubt about who it is? It's God in the flesh. That's who it is. Jesus Christ is fully human. Yes, he was fatigued. He needed sleep like any other human being. As Dr. Charles Spurgeon said, he sleeps, but he doesn't oversleep. But not only is he fully human, he's also fully divine. Because the ultimate purpose of this miracle is to show that Jesus does what only God can do. Now, just briefly in this the amount of time that we have, there are two ways in which this miracle is applicable. And the first is it is applicable to the Christian church. Not uncommonly in the Bible, the storm symbolizes hostile forces over which God ultimately prevails. And accordingly, the early church picked up on Mark's intended symbolism. Christ in a boat with his followers in the storm is a picture of the church in the midst of the hostile forces of culture in the world. And the early church picked up and often depicted the church this very way in paintings and in mosaics. 
Christ shares the boat with his church. And because he is in the boat, the boat will never sink and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Many of us are concerned about the church today. To quote the old hymn. Though when, though with a scornful wonder men see her sore oppressed by schisms rent asunder by heresies distressed. In those situations, God, give us ears to hear. Why are you afraid? Have you no faith? Even in the midst of things we cannot understand, do we doubt the all-controlling providence of God? God's providence is deeply, deeply Immersed in the pages of the Bible. It's not some small theme. Providence is not merely an implied truth deduced from a handful of obscure passages. No. The doctrine of providence is the very soundtrack of Scripture. Why are you afraid? Have you no faith? There's another application of this miracle that is much more personal. This miracle is certainly applicable to you and me in our own lives. Hear him ask, why are you afraid? Have you no faith? The word translated here, afraid, can also be translated losing heart. Fear, losing heart, is simply a part of the human condition. Remember, these were Jesus' disciples here in the boat. They had, they had faith. They had faith in Jesus. They'd seen Jesus heal Many who were sick with various diseases had seen him cast out many deacons, many demons. (laughs) Absolutely. They had a lot of faith. What they knew about Jesus and what they saw Jesus do, I suspect they had a lot of faith. And so it's like Jesus was saying to them, I know you have faith. So why aren't you putting your faith into practice when things are bad? What's up? Where is your faith when you need it? I don't know about you, but I can often identify with disciples, these knuckleheads. Their their weak faith, their hard-headed, they're confused, they're flawed. And it's just a, a, just a wonderful thing to see how Jesus can use them anyway. How he picks them up. How he forgives them unconditionally. And finds a way, despite their flaws, to use them for his purposes. So much in this world takes place beyond our control. And the slings and arrows of life can be arrayed against us. Uh, the wind may be picking up and the sky can be threatening why are you afraid, O oh Frank, ye of little faith? In some ways, we should have a better faith, a better view of God's providence than even these disciples did on the night of this terrible storm. Because you, you and I live on this side of the resurrection, from the, of Jesus from the dead. And it's like God is saying to you and me this morning, don't you think that the one who died for you to take away your sins and rose again from the dead to prove his divinity is trustworthy? Did I not promise that nothing shall ever snatch you out of my hand? Did I not promise to be with you until the close of the age? And what we ought to be saying is, look, this indeed is troubling. 
And I don't know how all this is going to turn out, but I tell you what I do know. I'm an adopted child of God. I'm an heir to his salvation and nothing in all creation, not even sin or death or anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Romans 8, 31. And so it's a simple, straightforward message, but it's an important one. Let everyone here this morning, or listening on the radio, or listening on the internet, call to mind your own particular troubling situation, concerns. Because I think Jesus' question is asked not out of irritation, but it's asking compassion and pity. Why are you afraid? Have you no faith? You know, we Christians should be the most peaceful, peaceful people on earth because we know that he who so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son sustains all things, directs all things, plans all things, ordains all things, superintends all things, works all things after the counsel of his will. And the sooner we submit ourselves to this kind of God, the more peaceful we will live. And it is for certain the more peaceful we will die. So, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We believe. Help our unbelief, especially in stormy weather, for Jesus' sake.